Welcome to the God's Word, our Great Heritage Podcast, as we resume our study of the book of Exodus, picking it up at chapter 15, verse 22. We begin with prayer. Jesus, still lead on till our rest is won, and although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Heavenly leaders still direct us, still support, console, protect us till we safely stand in our fatherland. Amen. When we left the Israelites last time, they had just come through the Red Sea. God had rescued them in dramatic fashion, and they had celebrated with songs praising God's mighty deeds. They were on their way to the promised land. Surely it would be smooth sailing from here on out, a victorious, trouble-free march to their new home. But That's not the way life works in this sinful, broken world, is it? We may struggle with finances or health. We may spend night after night at the bedside of a sick child or a dying parent. We may fight to keep our family together. Paul and Barnabas said it this way, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So, how do we react when the difficulties come? Do we look to the God who has already demonstrated both his almighty power and his great love for us? Or do we whine and complain? If you're like me, you have to admit, all too often, it's the latter. In these next two chapters, we're going to see a pattern emerge. God provides, the Israelites grumble. God patiently meets their needs, the Israelites whine. Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. It's one thing to sing, Now thank we all our God, when life is good and things are going our way. It's something entirely different to trust God in the hard places of life. The singing and dancing on the shore of the Red Sea have now given way to the scorching winds and blowing sands, the rocky valleys and the bare limestone hills of the desert of Shur. After three days, their water gave out. When they finally did find some water, it was too bitter to drink. Faced with their first hardship, 
How do they respond? Well, by grumbling. Patiently and miraculously, God provided water for them. And then he led them to a pleasant desert oasis. In our moments of trial and difficulty, God is always there for us, providing what we need. And as we journey to our promised homeland, heaven, he gives pleasant stops along the way. Just ahead for Israel, another desert, chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we, that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. From the oasis at Elam, back into the desert wasteland they went, to sand dunes and snakes. It was not long before their food supply ran out. Again, they grumbled. More than that, they accused Moses and Aaron, and therefore were accusing God, of bringing them out into the wilderness to die. How often, when faced with challenges, have we neglected to take our concerns to God in prayer, trusting that our Heavenly Father loves us and is there to help us, and instead we have grumbled. Sometimes we, even like the Israelites, acted as though every setback is the end of the world. We're all going to die, or in this case, starve to death in this wilderness. How does God respond? With threats of punishment? No, but by promising bread every morning and meat every night. He also says, they will see the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is a key concept in the book of Exodus. 
and refers to a, a visible sign of the Lord's determination to rescue his people. You see, this is God's glory, that he is a God who loves us and pours himself into our salvation. In the following verses now, the Lord's glory is evident in his concern for his people's need for food. Verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer. That's about two quarts. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out in the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why in the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Since the Israelites had never seen manna before, they asked, What is it? The Hebrew word manna is derived from the words which make up that question. What is it? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus taught us to pray. The Israelites were to trust that God would provide for their needs each day gathering only as much manna as they needed for that day. Those who decided it would be better to stockpile manna, gathering and storing more than they needed for that one day, found a stinking maggot-filled mess the next morning. Fridays, however, were double manna days. They were to gather twice as much, enough for two days, because there would be no manna on the ground on Saturdays. 
The manna gathered on Friday and saved for Saturday did not go bad. In this way, God was preparing them for the Sabbath laws he would soon give on Mount Sinai. There he would instruct them to set aside their work on the seventh day and consecrate it as a day of rest. In all of this, God was teaching the Israelites to rely on him, to rely on him to provide for their physical needs. He wants us to do the same. So we might ask, what's the difference between stockpiling manna, or any of our earthly goods, and saving for an emergency or for retirement? I mean, God does want us to save, right? Well, it's in our attitude, isn't it? Saving for retirement, or for when the furnace conks out, is God-pleasing planning. On the other hand, worrying about all the things that might go wrong is not trusting our Heavenly Father to provide. Are we planning or are we worrying? Hoarding our blessings and refusing to share with those in need or to support the work of spreading the gospel is saying, God, I can't do the things you've asked me to do because you might not provide for me tomorrow. On the other hand, being content with what we have and being generous are fruits of our trust that God will provide our daily bread. Verse 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white, like coriander seed, and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is one-tenth of an ephah. One final instruction regarding the manna and Omer, that is a daily supply, the two quarts, was to be kept to remind future generations how the Lord had provided for his people in the wilderness. Chapter 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place 
Massa, and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Professor Wentland, in his commentary, points out that the Israelites have been on the move for several days now, and as they approach Mount Sinai, the hills are getting higher, the valleys narrower, narrower, and full of huge rocks, and water is nowhere to be found. Now the Israelites not only complain, they quarrel with Moses. They even threaten to stone him. How many times in our Rephidims, when the fears run deep and the pain seems too heavy to bear, have we lashed out at God or at others? Thankfully, our God deals patiently with us. Professor Wentland comments that even though they are putting the Lord to the test, he deals with them the way a loving father deals with his children when they are in distress. Verse 8, suddenly another threat. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Notice the battle is described as between the Amalekites and the Lord. When the battle was over, Moses did not put up a monument to the Israelite soldiers' bravery, but a monument to the Lord. Here's the message for us. God fights for us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood but against spiritual forces much too great for us to defeat. But God, our God, is on our side. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? Most take Moses lifting his arms as a symbol of praying to the Lord. The Lord showed his presence among his people, and he won the victory for them. When we find ourselves in a desert place, when we face pain and losses, then let's remember, God does not take us out of the desert, but provides for us in the desert. Let's remember that as we fight our battles, that that God is on our side in fighting for us. And finally, let's remember where he is leading us. As we prayed earlier, Jesus, still lead on till our rest is won. And although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Guide us by your hand to our fatherland. 
Again, I want to be sure to point out that uh, Professor Reed Lessing's commentary on Exodus titled Deliver Us and Professor Ernst Wendland's People's Bible Commentary and the Book of Exodus are both tremendous resources uh, which I have used in preparing these podcasts. Next time, Moses gets some good advice from his father-in-law and the Israelites at last arrive at Mount Sinai. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard and keep you in Christ Jesus.